my name is Reverend Joe Sanford, and usually we post sermons for the week uh, that, were, that were recorded during the worship service, but we had technical difficulties uh, on February 10th. So here I am uh, near the end of February going to record the sermon and kind of do it a little different since we're in a private setting and just talking to those of you who are listening in. So we'll read the Gospel of Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, and then we will walk through the sermon from two weeks ago. And, and I'm just so glad that you were here and listening to be a part of, of what God may be leading you into at this time. So I'll begin with the reading. One day Jesus was standing beside Lake Gennesaret when the crowd pressed in around him to hear God's word. Jesus saw two boats sitting by the lake. The fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. Jesus boarded one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, then asked him to row out a little distance from the shore. Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he finished speaking to the crowds, he said to Simon, Row out farther into the deep water and drop your nets for a catch. Simon replied, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. But because you say so, I'll drop the nets. So they dropped the, net, the nets, and their catch was so huge that their nets were splitting. They signaled for their partners and the other boat to come and help them. They filled both boats so full that they were about to sink. When Simon Peter saw the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Leave me, Lord, for I'm a sinner. Peter and those with him were overcome with amazement because of the number of fish they caught. James and John, Zebedee's sons, were Simon's partners, and they were amazed too. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they brought the boat to the shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. I ask that you pray with me and, and pray for me. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities that we have to encounter your word, to look back into our past and understand what Jesus meant in the days that he walked the earth and then what that means for us as we continue to be guided into relationship with you through Christ, through the Holy Spirit. And I ask that no matter what we have arrived at this moment carrying, whatever baggage, whatever assumptions, whatever preconceived notions, expectations, that we can just set them aside for the moment. And I ask that you speak through me in spite of me, and that we may hear you in spite of ourselves. And may all that is said and heard, may it be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, Lord. You alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the week before the Super Bowl, I stood and claimed and kind of passing, but I, I proclaimed that the Los Angeles Rams were going to beat the New England Patriots. And that didn't happen, although I think if the Rams had showed up, that they would have. But if you watched the game, you knew that they didn't show up. <laughs> it was a long game. And uh, I decided I would just go ahead and watch the post-game activity, just because it's always kind of a spectacle. And Tom Brady, the quarterback of the Patriots, had done something no one's ever done, had won six Super Bowls. And so I was just kind of fascinated by that. And when the game ended, of course, he was the focus because he had done this monumental thing. And I noticed that the, the cameramen and women and reporters of you know, all, from all different stations and, 
in different languages probably, all gathered in as close as they could to Tom as he's just trying to walk through the field and, and find his coach and find his teammates and find people from the other team if, if they were still walking around, find the owner and just you know, celebrate the moment. But the crowd almost made it impossible because they were pressed in so hard against him and pressed in against each other that from the camera view that the TV offered, which was kind of a little bit back, uh, all you saw were the backs of cameras and you could kind of peek in. It got high enough finally where you could see Tom and he was whispering into the ears of other people, or at least he probably was yelling, but we couldn't hear what he was saying because it was so loud. And I just watched this chaos and thought, what are the reporters hoping for? What, what are we really trying to see and hear in this moment that, that should be broadcasted nationally and we can't hear anything? Um, and everyone is just killing themselves to get as close as they can. And I just thought I was so uncomfortable and even claustrophobic watching this happen from my couch when I was in a room all by myself. And I thought, what, what are they looking for? What are they expecting? Why is that patch of earth the place to be right now and, and where you're willing to be so uncomfortable to be there. And as far as I know, nothing life-changing was captured in that moment. It didn't stop people from taking pictures, but there, nothing really significant happened. Any conversations that were had, were, were, we were unable to hear them. And I thought he did a good job, Tom did, of ignoring the crowd and, and just being able to share what he wanted to share with whomever. And I thought, in this image, I thought, you know, this isn't an, uh, an uncommon image that people are trying to capture moments of significance or try to be, trying to be present uh, with something that's happening that they think is, is incredible or of substance and people will kill themselves uh, and, and get as uncomfortable as they need to to capture it on their phone screen. And I've seen this at concerts and lots of different events, you know, even significant events like baptisms or weddings where people aren't even watching what's happening with their own eyes. They're actually looking kind of up at their screen that they're holding above their head and they're they're really witnessing the moment through their screen rather than with their eyes. And, and then, you know, I've seen it at concerts. I've done it myself. I've, I've gone to a concert and filmed it. And I've never gone back to watch what I filmed. It's like I just missed the moment to capture something in an effort to do something with, I don't know, what, what am I looking for? Why do we do this? Why do other people do this? I'm not sure anyone has a plan from the point of just capturing it, but something in us says Capture this moment. Be a part of it. Maybe if we tweet it, it becomes real. Or maybe if we can take a selfie with it, somehow that makes us look better uh, or a person that actually experiences meaningful moments. I, I, it just kind of baffles me when we think about it. And I wonder if the world was really any different 2,000 years ago. We might say that it was, but yet in our scripture passage today, we find that the crowd is following Jesus and they're pressing in. That's the word. They're pressing in in on him. That's our word for today as we begin a series that's all about the crowd that followed Jesus. And today in week one, it's the pressing crowd. The crowd wants to hear God's word. That's what it says. Jesus wasn't carrying a Bible. That's how we talk about the word of God today. But Jesus actually was the word of God in a way that Jesus knew the law and the prophets, and Jesus was able to not only be God in flesh, but was able to bring fulfillment and the full meaning of the law in language and words that the people around him could understand. And people were craving that kind of truth, and so they were pressing in on him, hoping to hear the word of God. Not only that, healing and all the things that Jesus brought with him, 
it was significant and people wanted to be a part of this because they knew that the Word of God was in flesh and in blood and in sweat and in the kind of things that humans experience like hunger. And the Word of God faced temptation just like us. This was significant. And people at the time recognized this. The people, and, and particularly the sick and the oppressed, and the poor, they were searching for something of substance in their chaotic world that was full of division and blame and injustice, uh, captivity and oppression. They were experiencing it from their own people and leaders. They were experiencing it from the superpower of the day in Rome. But they recognized in the midst of all that, something significant and of substance was happening with this man, Jesus. He brought God's word to them. And in our third gospel, the message of God is clear. If we just go back to chapter 4, in the middle of the chapter, Jesus shows up in Nazareth and preaches at the synagogue from a reading in Isaiah. And he, he reads it, and it basically says, The year of God's favor is upon human beings. The poor receive the good news of the great reversal. The humbled are exalted, the exalted are humbled. The captive people receive the good news of release and forgiveness. The same word, release and forgiveness. The blind are given good news of sight, and the oppressed are given good news of freedom. More or less, it says the poor, the marginalized, the outcasts of society and religion, they're going to receive the good news that they've been looking for. And those who have sinned, and we're ready for forgiveness, we're going to find release. Those who walk blindly in their ignorance were hungry to have the light revealed to them. And those who have oppression in their lives or uh, have the burden of religious legalism, they are hungry for freedom and justice. And Jesus says in the town of Nazareth, the scriptures are fulfilled in your hearing. That what he was about was bringing this good news into the world. And people were eager They wanted to hear it. And so just a few verses later, they're pressing in on him, hoping that Jesus might give them some of this good news. And the significant thing in our overall series, today's the pressing crowd, but the overall series is see all the people. And that's what Jesus does. In the midst of the crowd, he didn't just ignore them like like we see Tom Brady do, just, you know, because that's not what Tom was there for. But Jesus is here for the crowd, and Jesus sees the people. The crowd's pressing in and he sees them. He did not ignore them um, or just simply acknowledge them just so he could maneuver through them and get where he was going. He actually took steps to help them receive what they wanted, to help them better receive what it is they had come for. He found a boat. He moved out into the water because if you're out on the water, everyone could hear you a little better And beyond the good news that's already mentioned, we have no record of what Jesus actually said on the boat. All we can assume is he repeated the good news that's already been stated in the gospel. We do, however, in this story, have a miraculous response uh, as a call story and then a response to what he said. And that's, that's what is really captured and offered in this reading. The response of those paying attention to the good news of Jesus is humility and a willingness to give him control of their life, a direction to guide them to be Lord. See, Peter, Simon Peter, is the expert fisherman. 
But he heeds Jesus' request to try again, to go out and try to catch fish again during the day, which is the absolute worst time to try and fish. Peter acknowledges this. I mean, they, they've already come in from the, from the evening where they caught nothing. They've already fixed their nets. So they're ready to go home. But Jesus says, let's go out and fish. And Peter, Peter says, okay, because you say so, um, I will. And the catch is miraculous because they catch so many in the wrong time. But it's really, the story is not about the fish at all. Because when they see the catch, Peter's response is not to thank Jesus for the fish, but rather he humbles himself and he is put to shame in the presence of God's word and flesh. He recognizes Jesus' holiness. And Jesus responds to Peter's uh, plea for him to go away is, don't be afraid. Because the last thing Jesus asks for is people to fear him. And with the crowd fully in sight, Jesus invites Peter to see all the people. He says to him, you will now catch people alive. We've often probably heard it, well, he'll fish for people, but it's not really, you know, you fish for fish to capture them and kill them and eat them. But in the Greek, it actually is catch people alive. It's this idea that you're now going to be someone who captures people alive into life in in a way that draws them into something better. And Peter responds to this invitation to follow him and to go and be a catcher of people alive. Peter forgoes the huge catch of fish. I mean, that's he tried to fish all night. He finally gets this huge catch and he walks away. He walks away from his career. He walks away from his way of thinking about what life is about. He walks away from his own self-understanding where he defines himself as a sinner unworthy of being in Jesus' presence. Jesus says, come and be with me. Follow me. He does. And Peter does this for the sake of the people because he saw them, because he's interested in being a part of catching people into life. He gives up his self for the sake of others. No longer will he focus in on his daily routine and plans. From now on, he will catch people alive. And unbeknownst to him, he's going to embark on a life-changing journey. And not just for the pressing crowd, not just for himself, but for us. For us as well. Jesus invited him, and Peter could have said no. But because Peter had been released from his shame and had his sight restored from the blindness of the world, which teaches us not to see each other, teaches us to not understand the need of other people. But because Peter was cleansed of this old way, he left everything and followed. Now, we might find ourselves identifying with the pressing crowd. Or maybe we find ourselves like Peter. If we're part of the crowd then we know something about Jesus. But we're just coming to see what happens, maybe. Or maybe we're hoping for another miracle. Maybe we're hoping for a miracle in our own lives and we need healed. Or maybe we're longing to simply simply be in the presence of power and significance, something of meaning. But if you're part of the crowd in this way, you're not in relationship. The crowd was not in relationship with Jesus. The crowd is not yet ready to follow because the crowd has their own goals. 
They're coming for what they want. Um, the crowd, the crowd is the expert over their own lives. The crowd doesn't really want to receive sight. Maybe. Some in there did. Some didn't. When we are in the crowd, you know, instead of following, we, you know, we've been we've been exhausting ourselves trying to make other people see what we see. And in our efforts, we experience no abundant catch of people alive. And in our quest to convince people of our truth, I don't think we get too many people to follow and, and come into something new and exciting and of meaning. And if instead of following, we're in the crowd, we only find anger and resentment and worst of all, a desire to stop seeing people. Instead, we just want to be around people like us. That's our world today. The voices that are crying out for freedom and justice and release and sight in our world, in our community, on our street, often go unheard. Our response becomes, well, you can come into our church, you know, our doors are open. You can do things as we have always done them, and you can come in and fit in with our way. Or we might say, well, you know, once you start behaving and acting like us, then we'll actually engage you in relationship. You know, once we feel safe. The motto of the United Methodist Church is open doors, open hearts, and open minds. I remember as a younger person hearing that motto and almost immediately wondering if there was a fine print, at least in a few of the churches I had attended. Uh, The fine print was something like this. Open doors, open hearts, open minds, as long as you look Act and think like me. Maybe today we'd even add, if you vote like me. The crowd following Jesus, they continue to follow him. And we're going to be talking about them the next few weeks. People come and go from the crowd. Some probably eventually left everything and truly followed as a disciple in Jesus' way. Some might have just wrote him off when they weren't getting what they wanted. Walked away. Some might have eventually been in the crowd calling for his death. So disappointed with what they heard that they wanted to see it killed. But the good news is that Jesus saw them nonetheless. And Jesus sees us. And Jesus sees every person that might be in the crowd in whatever way that they are. Jesus sees you. And Jesus died on that cross for all of us and all of them. Jesus left everything too for the sake of their souls, for the sake of the people. Jesus calls his disciples to leave everything. If you're going to follow, you have to leave everything too. And because Jesus gave everything, he can demand everything. Jesus calls us. Jesus calls me. Jesus calls you to give up yourself and your way to give up your version of yourself, to give up your version of the world, to give up your own ideals and goals. And if you do so, he will lead you into life, into salvation, into the reign of God or the kingdom of God, into freedom, into sight, into release, into the good news. He will lead you to see 
the people, to see all the people. Now, we are the church. We call ourselves, and we are, the body of Jesus the Christ. We have the greater gifts through the Holy Spirit. We will catch people alive if we but submit ourselves to the Master. So the question is to you. Maybe you're a Peter, and maybe you're a part of the crowd. Will you leave everything behind? Will you get out of your boat? Will you put your nets down? Will you simply go with the master to the people with no expectation other than the promise that the catch will be abundant? Friends, may you go into the world and may you see the people. May you see all the people. And may you serve them in Jesus' name. May you give the people what they are longing for, what they are all longing for, substance, life, truth, meaning, and good news of release, freedom, and sight. May you embody the love of Jesus Christ and give of yourselves to others in his name. Grace and peace.